0: quiet silence of a heart that believes itself defeated by loss, by pain, by fear. Our hope nailed to a cross, our own faith depleted, at the sight of no movement, a body inert. But it is not the end. At the sound of the gravestone rolling, a new story has unfolded. Death has been defeated. Our hope is alive. Jesus is alive. We raise our hands in victory. By his resurrection, we are set free. He blows a wind of life and brings us back to the light. He is risen. Our Messiah is alive. He breathes, and the darkness trembles. He speaks, and our future shines. By His sacrifice, we are now saved. By His grace, we can all rise. Here, rejoicing in the sky, the grave could not hold Him. The veil has been torn. Our Christ has won over death, over sin, over ache. By His power, all chains break. He is victorious. He is the way. He is the resurrection and the life. And by his words, we're made alive.
1: Justin Jordan, I'm the lead minister here at Real Life. And it's so good to have you this morning. Thank you for your patience with the parking lot and the services. We have way more people than we thought we were going to have. And that's a good thing, right? Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, here's the cool thing. We don't have another service after today. So all the stuff that I've been cutting back, trying to stay on time, you get all that for free. Uh, we've already said it, but I want to say it again. Jesus is alive, amen? amen? Now, here's the thing. Some of you understand that. Clear down your bones that Jesus is alive. And, and you know that even as we just sang Rattle, a song that's a little rowdy. And I like being rowdy on Sundays. And uh, some of you are, are kind of like, yeah, like, I get it, I get it. But maybe you don't feel it down into your into your guts. And for some of you, you're here because, let's be honest, like spouse invited you, daughter, son invited you, you're coming, want to keep peace, yeah, you do the, the Easter thing, and, and I just want to tell you that um, my hope and my desire for you is that, that Jesus would start something new in you today. That the life that he wants for you, maybe you would understand that in a bigger way this morning. Now, we have the ability to celebrate the goodness of God today and to recognize that the resurrection day is the day for us as Christians where it's the day. It changes everything for us. And we can look back and know how the story goes. But back then, the disciples, they didn't understand what was happening. And if you're willing to go on the journey with me today, I just want to tell you the story of what they were facing and what they worked through in the midst of facing that their Messiah, the one they had all their hope in, was dead start on Thursday night Jesus is having a meal with his disciples called the Passover meal and as he's meeting with them he grabs a piece of bread and he breaks it and he says this bread that we are about ready to consume it is a representation of my body which is going to be broken for you And then he takes a cup of wine and he raises it and he blesses it and he says, this represents my blood which is going to be shed and poured out for you and is a representation of the new covenant that I've made with you. And then he says, in three days, the son of man is going to die and in three days he is going to resurrect. And Peter stands up and says, that will never happen, Lord. I'm going to follow you and I'm going to protect you. And Jesus looks at him and says, bro. Well, he doesn't really say bro. He says, Peter, before tonight, you're going to deny me three times before sunrise. So Peter reluctantly is humbled for a minute. And then Jesus looks over at Judas and says, Judas, the one, you, you're going to betray me. I want you to go and, and do what you know you're going to do. Go do it quickly. And so Judas leaves. And as he leaves, he heads to the Sanhedrin, the chief priests, the religious leaders at the time, and begins to tell them, I know where Jesus is, and I will hand him over if you're willing to give me some compensation. Jesus leaves the dinner while Judas is actually having this conversation back with the Sanhedrin, and he goes into the place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And he goes there and he tells his disciples, I'm asking you to pray with me. And so he goes away to a quiet place. He grabs three of his closest followers and he asks them to pray with him. And as he's praying, he begins to sweat drops of blood. We know this scientifically to be proven true, that when the body begins to go through severe sorrow and trauma, you can actually sweat blood. And as he's sweating blood, he's praying and crying out to the Father, and he's saying this to the Father. God, if there is another way for me not to take on this cup of wrath, this suffering, There's another way. But if there's not another way, may your will be done. And he gets done praying, and he he goes to his disciples, and he finds them sleeping. He says, couldn't you just keep watch with me for an hour? Couldn't you just pray for me and just be here with me? I'm not okay, is what Jesus is saying. He goes back to pray. He goes back a second time, finds them sleeping. And finally on the third time, he says, it's time to rise up because my betrayer is here. And Judas is arriving on the scene with with the soldiers, with the religious rulers. And he tells them, the one that I kiss is Jesus. And he goes up to Jesus and he kisses him on the cheek and says, Rabbi. He betrays Jesus. The soldiers circle around They go to grab Jesus and Peter in his fear, in his anger, grabs a sword, cuts off the ear of a soldier. And Jesus says, stop, grabs the ear, heals the soldier and tells Peter, Peter, if you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. He's taken away to the Sanhedrin in the middle of the night. All of the common people are sleeping And they ask Jesus, they interrogate him, who are you? you?" And he says, I am the son of man. And they say, you are a blasphemer. Who can claim to be God except for God alone? And they arrest him and they take him off and they know that they can call him a false teacher, they can call him a blasphemer, but they can't kill him unless Rome says it's okay to kill him. And so early in the morning, Pontius Pilate is spoken to by all the Sanhedrin, the the religious rulers of the time, and they bring Jesus to him and they tell him, this man is a blasphemer, he's a false teacher, and he deserves death. Now Pontius Pilate knows that Jesus is an innocent man. But he's torn from within because he knows that if he lets Jesus go and finds him not guilty... The Jews will cause so much trouble and cause such a stir that Emperor Tiberius in Rome will know about this this uprising. And he will be upset because peace must be throughout the land. And so if Jesus isn't dead, Pontius Pilate is most likely going to be dead because he's not keeping his house, Judea, in order. So he says, maybe I'll appease them. And so he sends them off to be whipped 39 times to the brink of death. And as they're whipping him over and over and over again, in addition to that, they put a crown of thorns on top of his head and they mock him and they spit at him and they beat him. They bring him back in front of the Jews, show this man that's been beaten and bloodied and the religious rulers begin to scream, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And so Pontius Pilate, in spite of what his mind and his gut says, puts Jesus on a cross at 9 a.m. And from 9 a.m. until 3 p.m., Jesus sits on a cross. And if you know anything about crucifixion, when you're hanging with your hands up in the air, you can't breathe that's how you actually die. You die from asphy- asphyxiation, an ability not to breathe. And so when you need to breathe, you literally pull yourself up through the nails that are in your wrist and the nails that are through your ankles. You pull yourself up. And then come back down. For six hours, Jesus sits on a cross. And at 9 a.m., He's nailed and at 3 p.m. he gives up his spirit the exact time during Passover back at the temple where lambs were slaughtered, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. for the Passover feast. And Jesus is the perfect sacrifice that takes away the sins of the world. They hurry and get his body off the cross and they hurry because Sabbath is coming. Sabbath is coming, Friday evening to Saturday evening. It's a day of rest. It's a day where you don't do anything. The only thing you do is spend time with family, spend time with your God, and you go to synagogue. That's just what you do on Saturday. And so as they're hurrying, putting the body in the tomb, the evening comes, they head home in the midst of disbelief, in the midst of loss, in the midst of all these questions, all these emotions, all these things that are happening. And in the morning, some of them maybe stay home because of the grief and the loss, but maybe some of them actually go to synagogue because that's what you do as a good Jewish man, a good Jewish woman. And we learn in Luke chapter 4, that's what Jesus did. Luke chapter 4, verse 16, when he came to the village of Nazareth, earlier in his ministry, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read... The scriptures. Now, if you keep reading in Luke's account, it talks that the scroll of Isaiah is actually handed to Jesus, and he reads it, and he says, On this day, this prophecy is fulfilled. The question I want to ask you this morning do you know what they read the day before Jesus is erected? The day after Passover in the Sabbath, what do Jews read on Saturday? I'm glad you asked that question. It's Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and sent me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones and he led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones, Ezekiel says, on the floor of the valley, bones that were dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Do you know what I hear underneath that? You alone know? What I hear underneath that is this statement. God, I don't know. But you, you alone know. God, you know. I, I'm not, I, I've never seen anybody come back to life. But you alone know. And I can't help but believe that as the disciples were there in synagogue that day, listening to this passage, there's got to be a part of them that was like, I, I, I don't know, and I don't understand. Jesus... Healed other people. He resurrected other people. Why didn't he do that? In fact, the soldiers even mocked that to him and said, If you think you're the Son of God and you say you're the Son of God, why can't you get yourself off that cross? And for some of you, you've been in that place where you are in the midst of a really difficult moment and you ask the question, Lord, what are you doing? And you don't know, you don't understand. The disciples are mourning, full of doubt. Maybe asking questions like, why did he die? Angry with themselves. How could I actually believe what Jesus said? I'm a fool. My family told me I was a fool to to leave everything and to follow him. And look at me. Angry with themselves. Maybe even afraid. What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to me? I mean, they killed him and I was his closest follower. How in the world... Could they save me? They're going to come after me as well. You ever been in that moment where you're asking the question, can anything good come from this? And then God continues to talk to Ezekiel about what he wants him to do. He says, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones I will make breath into you. Everybody say breath this morning? Breath. And you will come to life, and I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord, so I prophesied as I commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up up on their feet a vast army this is a prophecy that God gives to Ezekiel about God's people being resurrected as a new people and later on in Ezekiel chapter 37 it talks about this new covenant between God that he's going to actually bring life into people this is the day before Jesus gets resurrected from the grave and they're reading this it's almost like God knows what he's doing can these bones live? I don't know. Friend, if you've come this morning, and you, I said, Jesus is alive, amen, and you said, amen, but you don't feel that down in your bones. I want to tell you, Jesus wants to start something new in you today, and the reality is, if there's anything that we can learn about resurrection, it's the resurrection tells us that Jesus meets us amid life's greatest pain, In the midst of of darkness, in the midst of death, in the midst of abuse, in the midst of betrayal, in the midst of addiction. It's in the desert that Jesus meets us. It's in these moments where he cries out to you as you cry out to him. All of your pain, all of your questions, all of your doubts, all of your emotions. Jesus can actually handle all of it. And he says, I've come to take on all of that so that you would have new life in me. He wants to meet you in this place. He wants to meet you in the desert. He wants to meet you in the dry bones of your life. Is God okay with it? I think he's okay with it. Because he doesn't want passive followers. He wants followers that are passionate, that are willing to live out of the inside out, everything they've got given to him. And if you don't have any of that life this morning, Jesus has it available to you. And the way that he has it available to you is simply this. Anybody who believes and has faith and is willing to confess with their mouth publicly that he is Lord, he says that you will be saved. And he asks you to repent, which means to turn around the self-ruled life you quit living, the Jesus-ruled life you begin to live, and that if you choose to be surrendered to him and to be baptized into him, a picture of you dying to your old life, resurrected in the new life, that he offers eternal life that begins now for you. Now, today, new life begins. Are, are, Are we awake this morning, church? Do you agree with that? Some of you understand. Some of you are starting to get it. But I just want to throw this out there. The day that we live today, full of excitement and passion, is something that Jesus wants us to live with every single day. Does that mean that everything's always roses? No. 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 But in the midst of Jesus meeting us in our dry bones, meeting us in the desert, then there is new life that can be breathed into us and that we are supposed to approach life with a passion and a life that only comes from, with, from Him, from Jesus. Um, I was reminded of this in the midst of March Madness this year. How'd your bracket go this year? <laughs> go good? How many of you guys were yelling at the television during March Madness? Maybe in excitement or more in disappointment. No, right? Opening day baseball. Any baseball people here? Yeah, baseball started. It's a good time. Good season. We're excited. We had spring football yesterday, y'all. Right? You go, yeah, it's still not the same. We got four months until real football comes. We're in the desert right now, right? But I just want you to just go with me here for a second. If Jesus is everything to you and you believe he's given you a new life, do you live with the same amount of passion and excitement about Jesus and what he's doing in you and what he's called you to as you do when you cheer out to your favorite sports event that is honestly a game? I'm, I'm a competitive dude. Don't watch the videos of me coaching baseball. You may not, is he a pastor? Is he a preacher? I am, but I'm just as passionate on Sunday as I am watching a dang game where I'm watching kids grow up into young men that's how it should be, right? That we love Jesus and he's put a new spirit, a new life in me and everything that I do, every single morning I wake up with resurrection in mind. That eternal life starts now. And if you're not there yet, Jesus is gonna meet you in that place. He's gonna meet you in that place. Because that's where Jesus meets us. In the midst of of the desert, in the midst of the pain, this is where Jesus meets us. Even on the darkest days, God is working on resurrection. And if you're here today in that moment, today, Jesus wants to meet you here, right now. Paul puts it this way. He says, for the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable. What's he saying? Human beings must clothe themselves with imperishable, with and the mortal with immortality, When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Yeah, we're starting to get there. Starting to get there. Verse 55, Paul goes on to say, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes! We're getting there. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Everybody say, stand firm. Stand firm. firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Some of you are not standing firm. And you're starting to go back to the old way. You're starting to go back to the old life. And I just want to tell you, resurrection is not found in dead places. Jesus will meet you in the dead place, but he doesn't keep you there. He takes you into new places, into new mountaintops, in the journey. And so quit going to the dead places. Quit going to those places that brought you death and sin and darkness. Don't go there because you're not going to find Jesus there. He's not here. In the tomb, why do you look for the living among the dead? And some of you have to start saying no to relationships. And you've got to decide that Jesus is enough. This Resurrection Sunday, that Jesus is enough. That he's conquered sin and death, that he is enough. You're not going to find new life in dead places. And some of you aren't experiencing that full life because you keep returning to the tomb, he's not there. So would we be willing to hold on to what Jesus has for us today, The mission he has for us today, those that claim to be followers of Him, Romans chapter six. Paul says, "If Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death, because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness." What is that? Right living. And if the spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he, this is important. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. What's Paul saying? The spirit that resurrected Jesus from the grave is alive and at work in you, in the world. The world is looking around, looking for all of the wrong places for the life that Jesus has for us. And you, you have the spirit the thing that satisfies your soul, Jesus' is spirit inside of you, life in you. And that reality, Jesus is saying, I need you to share that with the world. The spirit that resurrected Jesus, it's in you. And you've got to share it with the world. We all have to share it with the world. Every single one of us in this room, a calling to live for Jesus and to share the good news that he asked for us. Eternal life, his kingdom, ruling and reigning here on earth. He's inviting you to share that with everybody else. And you're saying, well, I thought that's why you get paid, Pastor, to do that every Sunday. No! We, we do that together. And some of you understand because you invited people today. Why? Because you want them to have the same spirit, the same hope, the same love, the same grace, the same forgiveness, the same peace, the same patience that you've received from Jesus. You want them to have it. They want you to have it. Will you take on the call to be a follower of Jesus this morning? As we wrap up and get ready for communion, I want to invite you to just think about a couple of these things. And as we think about communion and we think about having a meal with Jesus, um, maybe you came and you, you weren't planning on taking communion this morning. If that's where you're at this morning, I just want to invite you just to raise your hand if you want to take communion. Raise your hand and these amazing servants would love to give you the elements, a piece of bread and a cup of juice. As we get ready to spend time with Jesus and just pray with him about the reality of following him, and surrendering to him, and trusting him with all that we have. Keep those hands raised, because they'll make sure that they'll get to you. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Thank you, guys. We want to invite you just to pray and spend time with the Lord, and to think about just one of these statements. Which one's your statement? Which one is Jesus inviting you to trust in? And I want to tell you this. For any of you that feel like today's a day where you need to surrender your life to Christ, or maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ, that you've wandered and now it's time to come back, that you've got dry bones, a dry life, that you're in the desert. And you're ready to turn back around to Christ. And if you feel called to be baptized, we'll baptize you right now. Now you saying, well, I didn't bring any clothes. That's okay. We got towels. We got shirt. We're ready for you. And Jesus ordained this day for you to follow him. And we've had multiple people in our church They've just gotten up with all their clothes on and gotten in. So if today's the day for you to surrender to Jesus. Submit surrender and follow. Start new life in Him. Start eternal life today with Him. I want to invite you to bow your heads and have a conversation with Jesus as we get ready to have communion. Let's pray.